thank you for tuning into A Spirit-Led Life with HMI. We hope you enjoyed today's session with Pastor Dion Hockey. Hey everybody, Dion Hockey here from Healing Ministries International. So great to be with you today and to share the wonderful Word of God with you. I would like to say thank you to Pastor Andre and Jenny for allowing us to spend this time with you. I have put together a couple of teachings and I would like to share with you on a subject that is very well known to everybody, which is called faith. And I want to call the next two or three weeks teachings, how to develop your faith. You know, through the years of traveling and all the countries that we've been to, I've had so many people come to me and ask me, how can I get faith? You, you have so much faith and it feels like I have no faith. And when people say to me they have no faith or they, they don't think that their faith works, it's, it's amazing. I always smile, you know, and then I say to them, tell me, if you die today, will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? Then they look at me and they say, no, I'm going to go to heaven. And I say, and how do you know that you're going to go to heaven? They said, because I asked Jesus to come and live in my heart and, and I've become a Christian. I've given my life to Jesus. And I say, well, that's good news. And tell me, how did you do that? And then they would say, well, I confessed Jesus with my mouth, you know, and I invited Jesus to come in my heart. And I said, and tell me, did you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead? And they say, yes, of course, I believe that. I said, oh, and so you got saved because you believed in Jesus. Is that true? They said, yes, I do. So how did you get saved if you don't have any faith? You see, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the B part says that God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. You and I were born with faith. And the only way you can receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior is when you uh, confess Jesus and believe in Him and invite Him to come into your heart. That's how you get saved. That's how you get born again. And so, yes, you were born with a measure of faith and that faith has been given to us so that you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. So many people say to me, but I don't have faith. You do have faith, but what we need to do is we need to develop our faith. We have to grow in our faith. You got to understand that the day you gave your heart to Jesus is also the day that you declared war against the enemy. Do you think that Satan is happy when you gave your heart to Jesus? Never. He's angry at you. He got mad at you because you turned your back on him and you chose to follow Jesus. So Satan operates in, in various ways, you know, to try and take us away from Jesus. Let me explain to you what I mean. Yeah, we find in the book of Matthew chapter 8 in verse 23, a very interesting portion of scripture. And I think also, you know, that it is very timely for the time and the season that we are in. It says here that now when Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him. They awoke him and they said, Lord, save us for we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. Then the men marveled and they said, Who is this or who can this be that even the winds of the sea obey him? You know, I just love this when Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful of you little faith? He didn't rebuke them and say, Oh, you don't have any faith. No, Jesus knew that they had faith, but they just haven't developed their faith. They didn't learn how to deal with the situation that they were facing right there. 
You see, the number one tactic that Satan uses against Christians, especially baby Christians, when we get saved, is he brings fear upon you. You have to understand that. And I know that there are many ministers who are preaching right now, you know, and having titles like fear versus faith, you know, and that we mustn't be afraid. And I agree with all the ministers that are teaching this to encourage us. You know, the Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. But you have to understand that Satan uses the fear tactic to rob you from your faith. When fear comes in, faith goes out. Or when faith comes in, fear goes out. And this is what we want. We want to grow in our faith. So to grow in our faith, we have to get rid of the fear in our hearts. Let me read to you another portion of Scripture. So the first tactic that Satan uses, remember this now, is that he will, to rob you from your faith, is to put fear in your heart. But in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, this is another story where the disciples are in the boat now. But you got to understand, this time, Jesus is not in the boat with them. Jesus sends them away. Jesus is about to test them. Did you know that you and I go through a testing every now and then? And you know, in Hebrews 11 verse 6, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Sometimes God can, can be unhappy with us when we don't exercise our faith. But I want to help you. This is why I want to speak to you in the next few uh, sessions that we have to teach you to grow in your faith, to develop your faith. Watch what happens here. Verse 22 in Matthew 14, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Listen to that. He made them get in. <laughs> he was about to set them up. He was about to test them. You know, in Matthew chapter 8 to Matthew chapter 14, there was a whole season that had gone by. They were walking with Jesus. They were talking with Jesus, listening to Jesus, seeing the miracles that he had done. You know, they had spent time with him. One would think that they had learned something, how to deal with situations, how to cast out demons and so forth. And we find that so many people are sitting in church week after week, Sunday after Sunday. And yet we find that the people who come out of church, when calamity comes, when trouble comes, you know, and fear sets in, most children of God don't know how to deal with that because they are still on this very small level of faith, this baby faith. And we want to get past that faith so that we can develop our faith, grow and fight our own battle. So here we find Jesus is setting his disciples up for a test. Well, we know what happens. They failed the test miserably. But the question is, why did they fail the test? Let me help you. Verse 23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, this is Jesus, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Jesus went to pray. And then the Bible says, Now uh, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. See, there's another storm that rose up again, just like in Matthew chapter 8. Remember, Jesus was in the boat in Matthew chapter. He taught them how to deal with the storm. He taught them how to rebuke the winds. He showed them how to go about business. You would think they were listening. But now they're in the sea, but Jesus is not in the boat with them. Jesus left them alone. Jesus was about to taste them. You, you see? And so when the storm came up, they didn't know what to do. So Jesus is praying. 
He's busy developing his faith in prayer. I'll get to that right now because he's about to do one of the biggest miracles that mankind has ever seen or ever, ever will see. Watch what I mean. He says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went up to them walking on the sea. Come on, I don't know of any other person who has ever walked on water except Jesus. Jesus walked on the water. And how did he walk on the water? He spent time with God in prayer. This is one of the keys of developing your faith. But I'll get to that later on. It says here now, he came walking to them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Another word for troubled is they were concerned or they were worried. How many people today are worrying? We're always concerned. We're worrying about the coronavirus or worrying about our jobs or worrying about money, uh, worrying about where's the money going to come from. That is the tactic. Worry and fear go hand in hand. Amen. They go hand in hand. And that's how Satan operates. Alrighty, so we got to be very careful that we are not allowing fear to enter our hearts. Well, when, uh, uh, when they saw that the, this figure walking on the water, Jesus walking on the water, they were troubled and they cried out and they said, it's a ghost. Oh my goodness. Can you believe it that now they're talking about ghosts? You know, Jesus was casting out demons. Jesus was setting the people free and they still get afraid of ghosts. You and I don't have to be afraid of ghosts. We don't have to be afraid of, of you know, uh, spirits or stuff. Jesus gave us the authority and the power. I taught this to you last week. I showed you out of the scripture that all power and all authority has been given to you and I, that we can cast out demons, that we can tread on serpents and scorpions. But these guys didn't get it. They didn't understand what Jesus was showing them. So when they were on their own and Jesus wasn't in the boat with them, they failed the test. They, they backslid, if I could put it like that. They just started thinking about ghosts and spirit. They'd forgotten all about what Jesus had done. And this is the problem of the church today. When we are on our own and we're not in the church environment or we're not with a, with a crowd of Christians and we find ourselves to be on our own, that's when fear sets in. This is when our imagination runs wild with us because Satan uses that to attack us, you know. And so we cannot allow the fear and the worry to come to us. Jesus now uh, uh, comes to them, verse 27, and he spoke to them immediately and he said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, friend. I encourage you today, don't be afraid. And Peter, watch this now, when he saw that it was Jesus, his fear turned into faith immediately. And look what he did. The very storm that he was afraid of, that he was going to drown and sink, you know. He now, he has this boldness and this faith upon him that he says to Jesus, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. What a change of heart. In the twinkling of an eye, in a split second, he sees Jesus, fear goes and faith is there. Isn't that amazing? What is, the, what is the, 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 the moral of the story here? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your faith in Jesus. As simple as that, right? Now he goes on. Jesus, and I'm teaching you something very important here. Jesus said to Peter one word. This is amazing. Please listen. Because I'm teaching you how Satan robs us from our little faith. He said to him, come. Just one word. He said, come. He didn't say, oh, Peter, 
I stand before thee and I invite thee, come step out of the boat and walk on the water with me. He didn't do that. No, Jesus just said to him, come on, come. Just like that, simple, easy. And what did Peter do? He responded to that word and he climbs out of the boat. The Bible says, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, in other words, imagine that was faith in action. He actually climbed over the side of the boat and then started walking on the water towards Jesus. What a miracle. But watch this. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out and he said, Lord, save me. Did you catch that? The moment he took his eyes off Jesus and he observed the storm and the winds again, he began to sink in the water. And this is what I want to teach you. Jesus immediately stretches out his hand. He catches him and says to him the following. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Got that? Why did you doubt? It is amazing that uh, Peter, when he saw the storm, he doubted. But the question is, listen, what is the question? What did he doubt? The word. What word? The word of Jesus. Jesus told him, come. He responded to that word. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Jesus didn't say to him, Peter, come on down out of the boat. There's rocks in the water here. You can safely walk to me. He didn't say that. He just said to him, come. And Peter responded to the word, the word. Now, you and I know that Jesus is the word. Can you say amen? The Bible says in the book of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Amen. Jesus is the word. So when you and I read the Bible, we are reading Jesus. He's speaking to us through the word. But what I have noticed through all these years, that there are many people who begin to doubt the word. Now, where does that doubt come from? From the devil. He will have you doubt what God says. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden in the beginning when God, um, you know, uh, created Adam and uh, he took a rib out of uh, Adam's side and he made Eve, you know, that's like like uh, uh, Eve is a spare rib, you know, <laughs> that's what we guys like, a spare ribs, right? And uh, so he, he takes Eve and he uses Adam and he puts them in the center of the garden and he says to them, listen, of all of these trees, you can eat the fruit that there is, but there's one tree that the tree of knowledge of, uh, of good and evil, the tree of, uh, of life. Uh, you, you cannot eat this fruit. You cannot eat this from this tree. You see, the word cannot know has been from the very beginning. God has always come and God has always warned us uh, what we should and what we shouldn't do because he knew that we as human beings make mistakes, right? He always comes and tells us, don't do this, rather do that. So that was the word. God gave the word to Adam and Eve. It said, don't touch that tree. Don't eat of that fruit. So one day old Eve, you know the story, was standing in front of this tree, just so happened to walk by it. And the fruit looked very pleasant to the eyes, you know. It looked really yummy to eat. And so the devil came to her and he whispered something in her ear. What did he whisper? He said, did God really say? See, Satan from the beginning has always been there to cause us to doubt what God's word says.
If Satan can cause you to doubt the word of God, then he will cause fear to come in. And when fear and doubt go hand in hand, guess what happens? You lose the battle. You're going to lose ground. You're going to lose uh, going forward. You're rather going to go backwards and not forwards with God. So I want you to understand that Satan will come immediately to sow the seed of fear and to sow the seed of doubt in our hearts. And I want you to understand that, that you cannot allow the devil in this area to, to come and steal from you. That's why I want to teach you on how to develop your faith. And because of our time, I'll continue next week and I'll show you on how to develop your faith. But the first thing I want you to grab hold of is to understand how Satan robs us from our faith. And so you and I need to work on this area, not to allow fear and not to allow doubt to come into our hearts. Alrighty. And uh, the Bible says, you know, in Mark chapter 16. And I want to show you even the, even the disciples after three and a half years of being with Jesus, they even doubted Jesus after he was raised from the dead. How do I know this? Because in Mark chapter 16, you know, after Jesus had been raised, he comes now, watch this, in, in, in Mark 16, 14, it says later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. Jesus appears to the 11. Now remember, he was dead, he was buried, and he had risen. And now he comes and stands in the very room where they are. And what did he do? He rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart. And we've got to be very careful that we don't fall in unbelief and that we don't harden our hearts against the word of God and the word that God preaches. So he rebuked them of the hardness of heart. Why did he rebuke them? Because they did not believe those who had seen them after he had risen. So Jesus goes now and he gives them a commandment. He tells them, also you can read further there, but he tells them to go and wait on the mountain in Matthew chapter 28. Watch this. This is after Jesus rebuked them. This is after Jesus appeared to them at the table. And remember, he appeared to them twice. And the second time, Doubting Thomas was there. Do you remember Doubting Thomas? He didn't believe that Jesus had been risen from the dead or that the disciples had seen Jesus. So Thomas is there. The second time, Jesus appears to them. And Jesus could just see the doubt in Thomas's eyes. So he eats a piece of bread, you know, or fish. And, uh, you know, a ghost can't eat anything. That's impossible. So Jesus eats it. And Thomas sees that. And then Jesus says, Thomas, I see you struggling. Come on here. Touch my hands put your fingers in the holes where the nails had pierced me and when Thomas touched him he fell to the ground and he said Lord I believe I believe and so Thomas had to have this encounter with the Lord before he could really believe and you know what Jesus said he said Thomas you believe because you could see me and touch me now but blessed are those who believe in me even though they can't see me hey that's you and I we have a blessing from the Lord just because we exercise our faith so now Jesus says to them, all right, get up there and wait on the mountain. So imagine this, the 12 disciples or the 11 disciples, Judas had gone and, and hung himself. They were 11 disciples at that time. They're on top of the mountain and they're waiting for Jesus. Now watch this. This is amazing. In Matthew 28 verse 16. And the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Can you imagine that? That they see Jesus coming and they're worshiping him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Do you think that's him? I don't know. Do you think? I don't know. I hope so. And they're worshiping him. You know, and this is how we have church. We have so many people in church, you know, who worship a living God, yet deep down inside, they doubt his very existence. Or I've seen this in my meetings. I pray for somebody who is deaf and God heals the deaf person and the ears open, you know, and everybody's shouting and clapping hands. And then you can see those doubters in the audience who say, oh, I don't think they were really deaf. I think they were, you know, making this up. Maybe it's just a trick or two. And you could see the doubt in so many people's eyes. You know, I've seen even myself when I pray for somebody who had a back problem or, you know, a neck problem or whatever, and God heals them. And they say, oh, I can't believe I was healed. I can't believe it. That's the same thing. So many people receive a miracle. They know that we are living in the presence of an almighty God, yet they doubt. And where does that doubt come from? It is the devil. Satan is constantly working at it, putting fear in us, putting doubt in us all the time. I hope you're getting something this uh, uh, in this session that I'm giving you. Remember, Satan comes immediately to steal your faith. Do you remember Jesus taught us when the sower sowed the seed? Do you know that the Bible says that the birds, when the seed fell, the birds of the air came immediately to steal the seed? Jesus taught us that. You know, when you're sitting in church on a Sunday or when you're listening to a sermon or something, what's the first thing you struggle to do? You struggle to concentrate. You struggle, secondly, to stay awake. Um, thirdly, there'll always be some distraction in the church that'll pull your attention away from what your pastor is preaching. And that's how Satan comes, to steal immediately, to take the word away. And then he'll bring that fear. He'll cause the very thing that was prophesied over your life, the very thing you taught that week, Satan will come and bring something that is the opposite of what you were taught just to see if you're going to give in to the fear, if you're going to allow doubt to enter into your heart. So friend, you and I have to be vigilant. We have to be very awake and we have to be alert at the works of the devil. Amen. I hope you're getting this. But I want to go on and I want to read from Matthew chapter 17. And I want to teach you how Satan steals again. Real quickly, in Matthew 17, we find here that there was a man who was struggling, uh, uh, who brought his son and he was an epileptic. It says here, um, verse 14, uh, uh, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic. He suffers severely, and he often falls into the fire, and he often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless, listen carefully, and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. All right, let me read on. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said to him, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Be moved from here to there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So remember, the first thing Satan does, he puts fear on us. 
Number two, he causes us to doubt God's word. What is the third thing he does? He causes us to stay in a perverse state of mind. Jesus said, you of little faith, you are a perverse generation. Are you understanding what I'm saying here? Let's read it again. He said in verse 17, oh, faithless and perverse generation. So what is the third tactic Satan uses? He keeps you in a perverse state of mind. What does that mean? The perverse state of mind means your mind has not yet been renewed. So when you receive salvation, your spirit man is born again. Your spirit man is renewed. But your mind, your thinking is still the same. So you have to change your way of thinking. I'll teach that with you on the next session. All right. That's the third tactic that he uses is to keep your mind still thinking the old way. He doesn't want you to renew your mind. And fourthly, the last way how Satan robs us from our faith is Jesus said these only come out by prayer and fasting. And Jesus had the key to faith. His key was to pray. His key was to spend time with God the Father. And Jesus every morning got up early and he prayed and he spent time with God. And he said to the Lord, you know, um, uh, what is your plan for me today? And then he would go out and do what God had told him. He even said, I only do what my Father tells me to do. That's why he was so successful. You see, Jesus understood the power of prayer because prayer was the key to unlock the faith. So I want to encourage you, friend, as you watch this program today, understand the four areas that Satan uses to rob us from our faith, our little faith, the small saving faith. He puts fear in your heart. He causes you to doubt the word of God. He keeps you in a perverse state of mind. In other words, your mind is not being renewed. And number four, he keeps you from praying and fasting. I'm going to continue the session with you next week and I'll show you how Satan operates, taking you deeper into this time of developing your faith. Hey, if you want to give your heart to Jesus and you've never given your heart to Jesus before, why don't you pray this prayer after me? Close your eyes, stretch your hand out and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe God raised you from the dead. And I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to come and live in my heart. I repent of my sins and I turn from my wicked ways and I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you that I am born again now and that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Congratulations. If you pray that prayer, why don't you drop us an email, send it to dion at dionhockey.org. And remember, you can visit us on our Facebook, on YouTube, and on Instagram. Remember, we have a website, www.dionhockey.org. We love you. We'll catch you next week as we continue on the subject, developing your faith. God bless you. You can make a difference by partnering with us, a ministry with a heart for the lost, by visiting our website, www.dionhockey.org. You will also receive exclusive content from the ministry as a thank you from Pastor Dion Hockey. Remember to subscribe and follow our social media pages for updates, sermons, and more information on the ministry. Thank you for listening and see you next time.